Hi, Peter Borker here and welcome to today's edition of The Transition Guy. Now joining me is Eric Pateka, who is CEO co-founder of a burrito chain called Chilangos. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you. Yeah, excited to be here. Eric's also a speaker at the summit, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah, really good. Um, you know, it's fantastic to get in front of entrepreneurs and especially those in the market that Chilangos in that are trying to scale up and... Um, and particularly, it was exciting to talk about, because um, it's tough being an entrepreneur, right? It's tough. It's, you know, you got to find cash. Uh, it's tough on you, you know, mentally. Um, and what an amazing opportunity, because I, I was able to share kind of my story in both of those arenas, you know, both raising the funds and how do you kind of maintain your sanity in it all. So tell us about, tell us about your journey. Yeah, great. So, um, well, so I guess uh, the humor in it all is that um, had you told me 20 years ago that I would be at a conference, you know, talking about my Mexican restaurant chain, uh, crowdfunding, peak performance, uh, living in London, I would have been like, what? You know, it would have been a, uh, definitely a laugh fest. So, um, so I'm half American, half Norwegian. I um, grew up for the most part in Chicago, studied finance. Um, I uh, was a consultant with McKinsey and Company for a while, um, did a, a variety of industries as you do, picking up a uh, you know, good generalist um, grounding or background. Um, uh, moved over to um, Oslo, uh, Norway uh, with McKinsey, transferred over there uh, after starting in the Chicago office. And, and that's like when the light bulb first went off because I was out with some colleagues and uh, we were having some Mexican food in, in Oslo. and. and and they all thought that the Mexican food was great. And growing up in Chicago, which is home to the second largest population of Mexicans in the US, I thought to myself, wow, this food's really bad. And so <laughs> at that point I thought, hmm, there's an idea there. Um, uh, left uh, McKinsey, ran a nonprofit in Norway for a while, uh, and then came down to uh, London, joined uh, Skype in its very early days. We were about 30 people or so in an office in uh, Soho and helped build that up to its uh, multi-billion dollar exit to eBay. And then, at that point, I thought, I really miss Mexican food. I can't find it anywhere in London. Let's start a Mexican restaurant business. And I did that together with my um, uh, colleague at the time at Skype, uh, Daniel Houghton. So we started it together. So yeah, and here we are today. <laughs> but here we are today is, <laughs> it hasn't been that straightforward though, has it? No. No, it's, uh, it's the whole, you know, it's literally the whole 10-year overnight you know, success story. So we, um, we have 11 restaurants today. Um, restaurants are, you know, producing some great numbers, like-for-like uh, -like sales across the group, which is a measure of true kind of, you know, restaurant health from a sales point of view is positive, um, you know, nearly double-digit positive, which is great. Especially, especially in restaurant, yeah. Yeah, and, and in this climate as well. Um, and on a you know EBITDA basis, uh, the restaurants are generating um, you know, twenty percent EBITDA again, which is very healthy. You would know. We have a shared background in that. We so. do. And do you know that reminds me of the early days of McDonald's. Yeah, yeah. That's what we were doing back then, and that was yeah. considered to be really good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, so that's doing well. But after uh, you know ten, well, actually eleven years of making quite a lot of mistakes, barely surviving, many of them. And I think, you know, to get to the stage of, of scaling up as a company, it, it, there really is like a Darwinian process to it. 
Um, there's a bit of luck, there's a bit of skill, and through natural selection, you know, the, the survivors emerge. And, um, and while the experience at Skype was kind of, you know, romantic and amazing in that, it just was this, you know, incredible journey, that's not real normal business, you know, it's, people get distracted by it. The real normal business is that, you know, what does it take to create a billion dollar company? Well, it takes like 20, 25 years, you know, mm -hmm. that's the reality. So we're in it for the long haul. Um, got a fantastic investor base behind us, a lot of great advisors. Um, and um, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's one step, one restaurant at a time right now. Now what interests me is your funding. Yeah. Talk to us about how you funded it because a lot of people would go to your archetypical traditional lenders. Yeah, absolutely. And um, uh, we, very early on, we experienced something quite magical with Chilango. So Skype, I've got to wind back a little bit. Skype succeeded where voice over IP hadn't for 10 years because they got two things really, really right, which we then applied to Chilango. And then we even applied that an aspect of the fundraising as well. But I'll start with the core tenets, and that was the product quality. Uh, Skype just worked really well. And then it was um, you know, wrapped up in a brand that people loved. So we thought, you know, we're really going to focus on product quality, but what is, you know, let's get specific. What's the number one thing you know, that people want when it comes to the food? And ultimately, it's about great flavors. That's what they want. So we really zeroed in on flavor. Uh, and then, you know, the brand needed an emotive brand that would catch people's eyes. And the one word distillation of our brand is vibrancy. It's, it's supposed to make you feel, you know, happier than when you walked in. Uh, brightens up your day. That, as a byproduct of doing that, we got a lot of fanfare and, you know, a lot of people queuing out the doors very early on. And that also led to quite a few people saying, hey, can I invest in the company? So it wasn't intended, really. Mm. It just kind of, like, happened. And um, we thought, well, yeah, why not? You know, if the person's a qualified investor, why not take investment? For so 80% of uh, you know, the funds that we've raised today have come from our guests and fans. So it's like with like huge pride that I can say that Chilango is literally powered by the people. And yeah, so, you know, the, and, and, and I should add that, you know, the crowdfunding has morphed as the industry has morphed. So, you know, it started with people approaching us directly. Um, then, uh, and this is well before crowdfunding platforms existed. Then once the platforms were there, we uh, did a couple of deals with Crowdcube, a couple of campaigns with them, uh, multi-million pound raises. And then, um, and then once the brand was strong enough, so in this last, um, uh, this last round that we did, which just ended, we actually built our own crowdfunding platform. And, uh, and launched that direct to the public ourselves, Burrito Bond 2. And that raised um, you know, just under $5 million or 3.8 million pounds. Um, so yeah, it's been a, it's, it's, and, and, and that's the other connection, by the way, to Skype. So Skype de democratized, you know, telephony and crowdfunding is sort of democratizing finance. So yeah. it's a, it's, you know, it's, yeah, it's a very exciting way to fund a business. So a nice new natural progression. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And what you get with crowdfunding is that it's not just the cash you seek, but you're also getting a sales force. Because we have 2,500 people who are now investors in Chilango. 
Uh, and where do you think they're going to recommend to go to lunch when they're asked during the day by any of their colleagues? So yeah, so it's worked really well. If their colleagues don't go there, they'll make sure they go there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, so very, very exciting. Yeah, I suppose that paves the way for other entrepreneurs out there, especially loads of, loads of people out there. Banks don't necessarily understand business models well. Yeah. Or banks are not necessarily what I would say risk takers. A lot of banks out there are quite risk averse in terms of it. If it doesn't meet their strict guidelines, where it falls outside their parameters. Then you have no chance. Then you have absolutely no chance where when you start going down that crowdfunding route, because you can have loads of little people investing, yeah. loads of small micro loans, micro investments should we call them, it allows people to take a punt. Yeah, exactly. If they trust the brand yeah, and if exactly. they're excited by it. And, and the market's developed so much so that it's no longer just a way to uh, get a bit of cash to start a business. It's also a way to scale up a business. I think it's most importantly, it's a great way to scale up a business. It, well, yeah, you're powered by the very people that are the lifeblood of your business. And, um, you know, on that note, just to you know, speak into, in, in terms of some amounts, and this is an all, um, you know, associated with Chilango, but just in terms of all of, you know, my you know, entrepreneurial endeavors to date, um, you know, I've raised 30 million uh, pounds or, you know, 40, 40 million dollars. Um, through crowdfunding, so that those kind of sums are well beyond what people associate with, you know, crowdfunding's potential. So we're in a different era now in terms of what's you know what's possible. And can you imagine going to the bank for that? They want your house. They want your soul. Oh yeah, they they want want you'd have no chance. They right? want your kids. They want your family. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So I mean, that, that's that's some good advice regarding the funding side. How did you cope as an individual? Because actually where you are today and where you were when you first started, and as you've mentioned before, there's a lot of trauma when you're a CEO, especially when you're growing your business. I mean, how can I, I can't really put it any nicer than you have to deal with shit all the time <laughs> at the end of the day, and that's the truth. Yeah. And it's a psychological burden. How did you cope with that? Yeah, so uh, first of all, an interesting um, fact that I recently learned. So when studying elite you know, performers, and if they're looking at the end of energy expenditure of, say, um, uh, you know, athletes, top performing athletes um, versus, you know, soldiers in the military, the CEO role, um, although the en energy, you know, the ways in which the energy is expe expended is, is, is different, it's like an energy equivalent to that. So <clears throat> what that means is, well, let me put it this way. So, how many um, professional athletes do you think are at the top of their game and say, not minding their health, getting five to six hours of sleep per night, um, and you know, not doing anything to kind of like keep all you know the mental game in check? How many of them? The ones that suck. Yeah, exactly. Now. Let's take that. So we know the energy requirement to be CEO is on par with them, right? Um, and we know that they manage their energy very, very differently than all the hype around hustle and you know just burn both ends of you know uh, you know the candle. And, you know, so so the typical you know I think the media right now, a lot of you know some of our social media icons, they're promoting a way of life that is just 
fundamentally mismatched with Stupid. how you need to be. Yeah, you, you, you will set yourself up for death Stupid. or for really poor performance at some point. So as I started to get cued into this because of getting exhausted and realizing that, wow, you know, it's hard to raise a family, build a business, you know, find all the funny, funding. And so I became very, very obsessed with wanting to make sure that culturally in Chilengo, our people were kind of performing at their best. Um, or more philosophically, Abraham Maslow, that our people were you know, realizing their fullest potential. Yeah. Um, so on that note, we've trained our staff. Uh, we have you know, staff training programs in nutrition, willpower, habit formation, productivity, you know, all of these things that help you succeed. They're things that have helped me succeed. And I know that they'll help our, um, you know, our, um, our teams as well. And they're responding, you know, very well to that. So kind of optimizing, I guess, my life and my routines, how I manage my energy, my sleep, how do I stay completely focused and then, you know, able to shut off and spend time with the family? How do I kind of live and run the company as a professional athlete would do? That's been the secret to kind of making the, crossing the chasm from founder to CEO. And actually maintaining performance as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, because it's, you know, you can't just, you know, get to, a lot of founders can write CEO and, you know, or just get to that, that level. But, you know, can you maintain the role? Well, a lot of people out there, they, they turn to sort of the drink and bad eating as a coping mechanism for all the stress, etc. Not realizing actually that if they lived their life more cleanly, yeah, they wouldn't have half the problems they have in the first place. Now you do work around this, don't you? Yeah, yeah, and and you know that's a really good point that you make. So I'll go back to the professional athlete. How many great professional athletes who are expending the same energy as a CEO are you know not looking after themselves, drinking, going out partying? Do they don't exist, no, right? They don't. Or if they do, they have short careers. And probably one of my favorite examples of this is Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. The, the age of thirty-five. I mean, he. He was sold for a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah. And if you look at him, I mean, he's so disciplined. He is. You got it. He's a machine. You got it. And that's and that's you know there's there's a way to do all of that and have life feel actually even better than um, you know constantly seeking to numb yourself with uh, you know whether it's booze or whatever else. I mean, you know, I I don't drink. Um, you know, I look after my sleep and uh, and you know life feels feels great of course you could do all of that but you know do it in moderation you know as well if um, you know, if you still want to go out and have a good time so I think the word is discipline yeah if yeah. you take your top people they're disciplined in terms of athletes top business performers they're disciplined and discipline equals you know discipline creates freedom and you know, one of the things that I'm seeking you know to do um, uh, through through my site um, at ericpartaker.com is trying to take what I've learned over the last 20 years and make the entrepreneurial journey for founders you know or CEOs you know a bit easier um, so trying to share my expertise on crowdfunding because it is a go-to alternative way to finance your business you can finance your business you know with um, your guests and fans and achieve quite large sums and then the other thing that I'm doing is um, helping coach other founders and CEOs and leadership teams and even coaches 
people looking to impact other large groups in all of the peak performance stuff. So essentially helping them close the gap between who they are and who they're capable of being. Because all like the anxiety, discomfort, frustration, our disappointment lives in that gap. So if someone's interested in what you're saying and they really want to explore more with you, how do they do that? Well, uh, just you know, get in touch. Uh, you know, again, um, just go to the, the website, ericpartaker.com. Um, uh, um, yeah, get in touch. We'll we'll have a chat. See if it's a good fit. If it's a good fit, you know, what I can you know bring to the table is a collection of some world class work experiences in the form of McKinsey, you know, uh, uh, Skype and Chilango, where I've been you know, recognized as one of the you know, top 30 entrepreneurs in the country and then just last month as, as CEO of the year, together with some you know, cutting edge research. So I pull in some um, you know, academic stuff from the High Performance Institute where I'm certified as a coach and also some things from um, a coaching certification and apprenticeship that I did with um, Professor BJ Fogg who runs uh, Stanford University's Behavior Design Lab. So all of that I use to kind of help optimize the, um, the journey uh, and the results for you know uh, fellow entrepreneurs, leaders, or coaches. Well, thank you for your time today. Yeah, thank you. It's been a pleasure having you, Eric. Now, if anything that we've talked about today in terms of crowdfunding, performance, etc., resonates with you, and you want to explore that further, head over to Borka.com and get in touch. And remember, failing to learn is learning to fail. <laughs>